Do School Better, a podcast for people who want to transform education. Join Doris Corda, Hawkins School's Associate Head and Director of Entrepreneurial Studies, as she shares her experience as an educational reformer told through conversations with Assistant Directors Tim Desmond and Allison Tanker. Sequencing the Learning Terrain In this episode, Doris explains how she uses real, local startups in Hawkins' Entrepreneurial Studies program. She details one semester's lineup of businesses, the challenges posed, and expectations for the student design solution. Doris, can you give me an example of the business challenges that you used in a past semester, both well, for one business one, two, and three, to give sure. a sense of what that looks like? Sure. So, um, so for business one, uh, well, I'll just pick one semester. Mm-hmm. Business one was Rust Belt Re- Reclamation, and Rust Belt Reclamation is a local company here in Cleveland, and they uh, make custom furniture out of reclaimed wood. Mm. that, you know, it's Cleveland, there are a lot of neighborhoods where they're redeveloping the entire neighborhood, plowing stuff down, and instead of going into the landfill, Rust Belt Reclamation takes the wood and makes beautiful furniture out of it. Mm. And uh, Rust Belt Reclamation, the CEO, his name is Deej, um, they have two designers, and at one point, the designers came to Deej and said, look, we made these little accessory products. So, I mean, their, their business, they sell custom uh, tables and bars and um, reception desks for hotels. I mean, big jobs, expensive, beautiful furniture. So these designers came and said, look, we made this cool bottle opener and drink caddy and a little flag that somebody could put in their dorm room. Aren't these things cool? Also out of the reclaimed wood. Also out of the reclaimed wood. And Deej said, well, those are cool. Let's make a bunch and see what happens. And they did a flash sale where mm-hmm. they, you know, and they sold out of everything, you know, within 36 hours. And Deej thought, wow, that, that would be a great business for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd be able to use a lot more wood. And um, let's try give it a shot let's sell accessory products to consumers all of these in the hundred dollars and less range so they tried and he quickly discovered that boy that is a whole different business that's an entirely different business to sell to consumers and to do consumer product marketing Mm -hmm. and he stopped because he realized they're great at custom furniture and they're they're not consumer, good at consumer product marketing. So the challenge for our students was um, how can Rust Belt Reclamation go to market selling accessory products to consumers? Mm-hmm. That, that was the challenge. Here's why that was a really wonderful first business. First of all, it's easy for students to connect with what the business is all about. They want to do well and they want to do good. They're saving the planet and they're also um, building a profitable business. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, by the way, all, we, we don't always use businesses that have a very explicit, strong social mission, but I have to say that most of them do, mm-hmm. almost all. And it's not, I'm happy to say it's not that hard to find them. So um, so the students 
immediately connect with what the business is trying to do and what it's doing. Um, and uh, it has both profit and social purpose. And the problem is a very simple marketing problem. So you can be creative with it, but it, there's nothing that complicated about it. We're selling uh, drink caddies and bottle openers and flags uh, for $100 or less online. How, how should we go about doing that? Mm-hmm. So that was business one. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what business two is and business three is. And then, yeah, so, business, so well, let me say this. So the reason that there are a couple things that are important in the first problem that the students work on. One is it you want to find something that they're going to connect with easily that isn't too esoteric mm-hmm. um, and something they'll probably be immediately excited about and connected to. You also, you know, we want to find one that, again, is fairly simple because they're going to have to learn a lot of foundational uh, methods and techniques and approaches and skills. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're going to be learning while they're doing. So they can't have a really complicated problem because they'll never have any sort of solution in the three weeks they have. Right. So in that one, I imagine they were out doing a lot of customer development and talking right. to the community. It's most, and, right. It's mostly market research. Most of sure. what they're doing is they're learning how to do market research. In the meantime, we're teaching them customer development. We're teaching them. Um, we're teaching them about market research. We're teaching them about product market fit, product market fit segmentation. A um, little bit about statistics, not much. Mm-hmm. Um, we're teaching them to present well, mm-hmm. communications. We're doing the basic, giving them sort of the basic design thinking toolkit so they learn how to interview well, how to you know interview for empathy, mm-hmm. how, to, how to build an archetype, um, all that stuff, mm-hmm. okay? Um, In three weeks. In three weeks. <laughs> Right. Well, and again, you know, we've taught this in different forms and we've worked with others who basically done this class but only didn't have the kind of time per day we have now with mm-hmm. these students. So it could be five weeks. Um, in our case, we happen to have with this semester course, we have the students for more time during the day. Oh. So it's three weeks. But yeah, it's basically they have very little time. <laughs> Um, they're also learning the basics of collaborating and doing project work as a team. There's really fundamental stuff, even project management. How do you manage a project when you have four people working on it? Um, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and along the way also, they have to become really knowledgeable about some things. So they have to become, there are things they have to become knowledgeable in when it comes to reclaimed wood, right? Mm. And when it comes to retail um, markets, mm-hmm. uh, where they have to do some very specific homework. Um, sure. So it's not all just creative 
subjective stuff. Mm-hmm. So then um, the second business was uh, a business called Every Key, also a local Cleveland company. Every Key sells uh, wristbands that have unlocking technology. So they have developed software and hardware that unlocks anything physical or virtual. So you wear, yeah, it's cool. You wear this band and um, you can, whatever programs you have online with various user IDs and passwords, et cetera, uh, you don't have to enter it in. You just, you know, wave your band or it opens your garage or your front door, et cetera. And it's really, really cool, sophisticated software they've developed. Very cool. So, and that was a local company as well? It's a local company. It's a local startup. Very. The, these are all just awesome businesses. They So the CEO of Every Keys, a guy named Chris Wentz, great guy. So Rust Belt, the students come in day one. We take them to Rust Belt. They don't know anything about the business until we take them in because mm-hmm. I don't want them to be coming in biased, ah. either by their own research they've tried to do or parents telling them, oh, I know. So they come in knowing nothing. Mm -hmm. It's very important. Mm -hmm. And what they learn about the business, they learn entirely from the start from the CEO. Mm -hmm. So they see the business. The CEO gives them their challenge. We've worked with the CEO ahead of time, as you know, Mm -hmm. so that the CEO, um, you know, we've crafted things in such a way that the Mm -hmm. students are going to be given a challenge that they can actually Work work through in the time they have. Um, so that was Rust Belt. The day after, they give their pre- final presentations to Deej and his team at Rust Belt. Mm-hmm. We take them, actually in the case of Every Key, who at the time didn't have their own big office, Chris came to us mm-hmm. the day after and presented Every Key and every their challenge mm-hmm. to the students. Which was what? Their challenge was, because of where Every Key was at that moment, and I have to give a little context. The challenge was, should every key um, adopt a licensing-only strategy or a product strategy or something uh-huh. in between? So if they were to license to, I don't know, like a Fitbit or another wearable Sony, company. Apple. Sure. Right. Okay. Okay. License the software or keep going with their own bands. With their own bands. Right. So actually a very interesting and very sophisticated problem. And uh, every key doesn't really have an explicit social mission, but it's a very interesting, very good company and business. And the learning that the students I knew would be doing, that in fact they did, was phenomenal. They had to learn about technology and the technology related industry and it was very a lot of strategic stuff that they had to learn about and just to give you an example uh, this is real as Chris is presenting the business on the first day to the students uh, I'm standing at my computer and all I'm doing the entire time is typing any word he says that I'm betting the students don't know. But I mean basic <laughs> words, right, that he thinks are really basic, that sure. I'm betting these students have no idea. 
Um, so I'm typing the words, mm -hmm. things like distributor, okay, mm -hmm. OEM, right. uh, you know, application interface, I, whatever it was, I'm going on and I have, I, and by the time he leaves for the day, I have this crazy long list. The students, he presents the challenge, there's a Q&A session, they ask their questions. When he leaves, I ask the students what some of these words are. They have no idea of any of them. So they, they listened to him, they had an opportunity for Q&A and they still did not. So they're learning by the time they got to the end when they're presenting their solutions, oh my gosh, what they had to learn in order to give any sort of credible response because everything they get, everything they provide as a solution has to be evidence-based. Mm -hmm. It has to be validated. So you, you're, as a 16-year-old, your opinion is not mm -hmm. that interesting really, right? Yeah. So, and, and, and anyway, so, and that's where the rigor comes in. The rigor comes in. If you want to do a really good job of providing a solution, you have to do a really good job. And we're going to ask you a lot of questions. And it isn't about pleasing the teacher and giving the teacher what they want to hear. It's about a real. So anyway, so that was business two. Mm -hmm. Business three, there's an organization in Cleveland mm -hmm. that is an accelerator mm -hmm. called ECDI. Mm -hmm. And ECDI uh, found that in their first 18 months, they, without trying, had a um, huge number of food-based startups not only renting out their commercial kitchen, but also asking them for help in setting up their businesses and their processes and how to go about sure. getting into the business. And ECDI had... Um, had been given a grant. They had just been given a grant for $500,000 to create a food distribution business. And this separate organization they set up called Cleveland Culinary Launch Kitchen uh -huh. was brand new. They now had $500,000 and the question was, Where do we begin? how should we use this to set up a, distribu a distribution business for food-based startups? Okay, so if you think about those three. Yeah, that's, that's pretty open-ended. Yeah, it, it's open-ended and it's, it requires you to learn a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. It's open-ended, but you have $500,000. You have 40 food-based startups. Mm -hmm. You have a kitchen with a specific capacity. Mm -hmm. You already have some things in place. How would you use that $500,000 with the resources and the limitations that you have to best get into a distribution business? And what, why is that the best way? What do you predict will happen? What are the results of what you come up with? Mm -hmm. So it's very creative, but at the same time, there's a lot of real stuff you have to contend with. And a lot of real people's livelihoods on the line. I mean, yeah. you're talking 40... Yeah. food startups, yeah. you know, entrepreneurs that yeah. likely don't have a lot of experience yeah. running their own businesses or distributing yeah. at scale with yeah. high quality and quantity. So for right. the students to then have to manage. Right. right. So, so you're a student in that semester. With each of those three, you've been working on a 
completely different team dealing with the dynamics and challenges. You have a deadline for each one. So you start day one knowing absolutely nothing and you're a high school student. So you have no frame of reference. You have no experience. You haven't been reading Forbes or Cranes or the Wall Street Journal or anything else, even the business section of the Cleveland Plain Dealer. All of it is new to you. I mean, you saw this past semester when they worked on Bean Dental, Mm -hmm. that the very beginning terms that you have to use when discussing dental insurance, no idea. They don't even have to worry about insurance plans because their parents take care. So every one of these businesses is like that. They go in day one, they know absolutely nothing, and they have three weeks or whatever it is with a deadline, and the deadline is when the real CEO and his or her team are going to come back and say, okay, what do you have for us? What should we do? And what you present, you have to have your, you have to be able to back up. And, and there's no question about whether it's meaningful or relevant because there's a real business in every case who's, this is their real problem and they're going to care a lot about what you have to say. So if a student comes to me and says, Actually, I, I think this for Rust Belt, but you know, I, I tried to do some interviews to validate it, or I, I tried to do some homework, and I wasn't really able to find anything, but does this make sense to you, this idea? My answer is, well, so if, I don't know, but if you present this to Deej as part of your solution, and then he goes ahead and does it, and you haven't been able to do anything to back it up. And their eyes go big. And they, I don't even have to go on. They get it. They're, they're, it's not something they feel good about presenting. Absolutely. But I think there, that's some real truth to this model of using real problems. That you can't make up something that would have this much power. Or the yeah. sense of urgency, too, yeah. that the students feel to really solving this. For yeah. someone who feels this pain. Yeah. Who's awake at night trying to solve this and the fact that 16 year olds are able to come into the room and present some evidence-based solutions where I mean I don't know if you quickly could speak to what the entrepreneurs walk away with and some of their feedback yeah um yeah well so I um have a line I use you've heard me use it when I'm talking to CEOs before it and I say (laughs) I say it is my sincere hope that you will get something useful out of this. But I have to tell you that the priority is the learning and it's possible that you won't. What I'm happy to report is every CEO, especially the more and more we develop this, Mm -hmm. the more and more CEOs have said they're very surprised by two things. Number one, they're surprised at how little time it actually required on their part. And we've worked very hard to make that the case. Mm And number two, the quality of what they got out of it from the students. For more information and resources, go to doschoolbetter.com. Podcasts created by Tim Desmond, Doris Corda, and Allison Tanker. Produced by Tim Desmond.